Jonathan Macri coming at you with another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. And God knows I can't do this tonight by myself. Um, you know, I I can't even think of anyone else who I in the world in like the history of my life who I could do this with other than you, JB. <laughs> um, we need a it's a therapy session, really. Yeah, like you know, I, you know, I grew up. I've, I mean, we've talked about this. I grew up watching my game, watching games with like both my dad and my stepdad. But like, I don't know. Neither of them were. It's funny. Either even I, even though I became a diehard fan, neither of them were really what I would call diehard fans. But yet, I I somehow turned into one. Um, yeah, and then I met you, my Nick soulmate, and. Uh, <laughs> We started, we are. <laughs> yeah, we started this expedition together, I guess, you know, a little under a year ago. And, um, and today, today was a day. So I guess the, the most important question to ask you is you were, you were on a flight for, I know you're going to talk about it. You were on a flight for a bit, um, this evening. Did they serve alcohol on the, on the flight? <laughs> no, well, it's funny, you know, cause you're sitting there and then, yeah, it, it in a weird way, it worked out because it it forced me to you know get off my phone. I was down to one percent energy, anyways, and then I figured out that I needed my phone to call up the Uber to get home. So I had to like when I landed, actually plug. I couldn't come right home right away. I had to actually plug in so I could get the six percent, so I could then get Uber to get uh, home. Ah, yes, you need the six percent. Yes, and then my wife loved me because you know I've been gone all week, and then I run in the door and. You know, I try to explain to her everything that happened, but then I'm like, "All right, I got to go talk to Jonathan." Um, so um, <laughs> I'm winning all sorts of all sorts of brownie points here, but um, but no, it was kind of good because you're you're sitting on the plane, you can't look at your phone, you just you know think. And I'm always that guy in a plane who I don't like to just like stare out in the space. I want to like you know pretend I'm at least reading so I'm not just like oh you know creepy guy just looking at nothing next to whoever I'm sitting next to but this <laughs> this ride I didn't care I was that guy who was like probably making like loud like sighs and like all the things that I usually will notice other people doing and think it's strange I just let myself do all of them on the plane um no but, I, I think know, it's I, I think it's valid no I know but I think what it is is like there's just so much to this that, um, you know, different ways that you can go with it. You know, first of all, you like to say to yourself, all right, you know, Knicks fans are all going crazy and, and obviously it's a big deal, but it's also, you know, just basketball. And, um, you know, in a season when they're 10 and 40 and they're, you know, we've been talking about Ennis Cantor kissing the court. It's like, you know, it's amazing that there even is still so much attention to every single thing the Knicks do. And then here we actually have a legitimate, like the rest of the NBA cares moment. It didn't just matter in Knicks world. Like it's an actual, I, no, you're, you're right. And you know, the, a day like this gets at the heart of what it means to be a, 
a fan because, you know, it, I I got I walked in the door and I get home before my wife most days, as, as you know, and my, you know, my daughter is there and she, you know, gives me a big hug and it's like, man, I've never been so happy to, to see her. And then it's like, you know, it reminds you that it is it is just sports and it, it kind of puts things in perspective. But at the same time, we we make the choice to invest in these things at some point. And then after a certain point, it ceases to become a choice. We, we, we no longer have the choice. You're, you live with it whether you want to live with it or not. And then... Even all the perspective in the world can't change the fact that when you begin to feel like nothing, like it's, it's, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is how I feel today after all is said and done, but if you begin to feel like, man, this is never going to change, um, <laughs> it, even if you do have perspective, it's like you have this thing and again, you're stuck with it and it's like, yeah, it, it, it really kind of sinks in in a way that, that – and that's kind of how I was I was feeling all day. So, yeah, I probably let out a few sighs myself. <laughs> yeah, well, for me too, it was just like the worst timing because, you, know, um, you know, I think I've said uh, on here before, but like, you know, my actual job, believe it or not, it's not to just talk about the Knicks all the time, um, is doing research on driverless cars, and I was out. Um, on a test track this whole week. That's why I was away from home. And, you know, today was our last day and it was bitter cold out there. It was like negative five, the wind's blowing at us. And it was just kind of a tough um, week anyways with the weather. And then, yeah, this, this news comes up and it's like, it just couldn't have been like the worst like combination of things. It's like I'm trying to finish up, we're leaving. I'm trying to just like still like get a couple thoughts out on Twitter while also collecting them in my head. And then we had to drive to the airport, which is about a 30-minute ride from where we were. And the guy who I was with, because we decided to share a rental car, he was driving. And he's one of these guys who, like, he doesn't follow sports at all. Like, if I told him Chris Tapp's Porzingis, it's like I told him some, like, you know, chemical that, you know, <laughs> he has no idea what that is. So he's driving and he's just going on and on about, you know, some of the stuff we were doing during the week. And I'm just sitting there in the car, like, Oh my God, like what is even happening right now? Like, I just felt like I couldn't like escape and I'm trying to like come up with thoughts in my head. And it's just funny. Because is there again, anything worse than that? Than having to like politely respond to someone that like literally they could be talking about the most important thing in the world to them. And it could not be further away from what's going on in your mind and heart. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was feeling a little bad about it too, you know, because I, I don't like to be like checked out like that, but it was just like, yeah, a reminder, you know, you're in the same position, obviously, with being a teacher. It's like as much as we have become, you know, prominent on Twitter or the podcast or whatever, talking about the team, we still, our main function, obviously, isn't to cover the team. So, like, when big things happen, well, everyone else that, you know, covers the team, they get to actually go and do their job. For us, a lot of times, it's, oh, okay, well, now how do we sneak away so we can come up with something to say? So that that was, I guess, the added added component um you know of everything but let's i guess now we talked a little bit about the you know the yeah i know we'll, we'll get to the trade. let's get into the actual i mean stuff. 
By the way, if I was you, I would have pulled a, a Steve Carell from, uh, what's that movie? Uh, Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, I would have just opened the, the passenger door and rolled out of the car. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, luckily my, my teaching obligations ended for the day. Uh, I was lit- literally the bell rung on the last period I had to teach and the alert came up that, that um, KP had the meeting with the team. Um, before we get into like the, the nitty gritty of the trade, which, which we'll do, I, I, I want to say briefly that like where I'm at personally is, is here. There is a very small part of me, a very, very, I don't know how small, but it's small, that is happy for one very discreet reason. It has nothing to do with cap space. It has nothing to do with the picks or Dennis Smith Jr. It has to do with the fact that this was a clearly, very clearly to anyone who, and I listen, I've written about the, 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 the struggle to whether or not as a Knicks fan, you want to put your head in the sand over this KP thing. Um, But if you weren't putting your head in the sand, like this was a cloud that was hanging over the organization for, I would say, when did it really get pronounced? Uh, You know, I guess from the exit meeting is when it came out, but he was even, you know, simmering before that. And the cloud has hung over the organization since then. And now it's gone. Now the cloud is gone. And, you know, they, and and it's funny how all this stuff ties into to each other. They've talked a lot about improving the culture and getting, getting the house in order and all of that nice stuff. And obviously that couldn't happen to a point where Porzingis wanted to be part of this. But I, a, a small part of me thinks that as long as he was here, that was never going to happen. So a very, very small part of me is happy from that perspective. And then, of course, there's the other part of me that's like, well, um, that cloud would have never been there if you would have just handled your business and never let it get to the point that it got to. And that's kind of my overarching feeling for this. So we're... Where are you at with this? Yeah, so I think it's just, um, you know, even thinking about, like, responding in real time to it. So when I first saw the reporting on before the trade actually happened, because everything happened so fast, and, you know, it's all coming from, you know, the top reporters, right, from Woj and Zach Lowe is helping out. I think um, a couple others jumped into uh, uh, Spears. Or was it Stein? Maybe I think it was Stein. Stein, um, Stein had I think Stein broke the trade. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but anyways, when you're reading through it and you're seeing the words that they're using and describing KP's frustrations, there was just the to me the meat of it was he was upset with the the losing and the direction of the team and whether they could build a sustainable winner. There were a lot of things there that weren't to me so much about necessarily the culture that we're used to talking about, meaning the culture of an owner who might make for an uncomfortable work environment of, you know, strange drama that seems to surround the team, things like that. It was more, they're just not winning and they're not winning quick enough. And I think that, that at first kind of threw me off because it made me say, okay, so then if he's using that to, to say he wants to trade, um, 
that that that's different because then I can't get upset with the Knicks for doing what we've said over and over and over again is what you do when you try to build a sustainable winner. You're patient. You build through the draft. You try to get cap space to align with the right free agents, and you, and you mix the two. And you know maybe if it's someone like we were talking earlier in the week, Anthony Davis, you know maybe then you know you speed up the process a little bit if someone like that becomes available. But I I just didn't. It just didn't match up to me. So whether it really is that he just doesn't like the people involved at the Knicks and he used that as an excuse, I don't know. But I think that was kind of my first reaction was thinking about that. But then I think where I got um, upset was the return on the trade, which is not so much to say what is really the market for Chris Depp's Porzingis right now? And we can go into all the nuance of that. No, and, I, more, I, and I would like to go into that a little bit. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go into that, but it's more, and I think you alluded to it in your piece that I read on the Uber ride home is yeah. The, so the part that confused me was just, if you're going to make a move to clear cap space to say, we, you know, basically hint, you feel confident that you're going to be able to sign max players. Why, why wasn't that same confidence um, communicated to KP? I shouldn't say why wasn't. I assume it was, but why didn't he buy into it? So and if he didn't buy yeah. into it, then how do we buy into it? No, I, I. So I think this is. There's some different discussions here. I think that the return on the trade is a separate issue. I think. Again, and I actually think when you when you consider the fact that he, by all accounts, was conveying to I, I mean I haven't seen this reported, but just piecing together how all this has been has been reported by others, my impression is that him and and his brother I guess basically conveyed to anybody willing to listen that the intention was always going to be to sign the qualifying offer this summer, so. Once once that part of it was done, I think it it changed the it changed the conversation about um, what the return was going to be. But just to to go back to the issue of like you know his buy in. Here's some. Well, the, wait a minute. No, or go. Yeah, I was going to say, but make sure we don't lose that qualifying thought for thought too, because I want to go into that. No, no, no and we should. But but just. In regards to his his buy-in, you know, I mean, look, there's so many different directions you could go with this. You could go with the, <laughs> you could go back and be frustrated over the fact that James Dolan owns his team, and you know, it it it, it lends itself to these types of situations happening. Or you could go even smaller picture and go back to Phil and and all that stuff. I'm not even going to go that far. My issue that I have here with this is that, you know, Scott Perry, the day he took over this job, in my estimation, he should have been looking at this and, and saying, all right, this, this situation that I'm coming into, there's, there is one asset that, that towers over all others. And it is this guy. And, you know, he came in, and I we don't really know how many issues, if any, Porzingis had with Hornacek the, in Hornacek's first season as coach. I don't think any were reported, but 
you know, it doesn't look like that was delved, delved into at all. So he, he retained Hornacek as coach, which I think was, you know, probably the right move. But it just, from day one, I question whether enough of an effort was made on behalf of the organization to make this guy feel as valued as I personally think he should have been made to feel. And then coming down to this season, the two things that stick out to me are, one, was there a disagreement that played into this over when he was going to come back and did he want to come back and the organization wanted to hold him out? Um, you know, that's that's obviously one yeah. thing. You know, and and I guess the 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 second thing is that you know was he was he okay with the overall direction of the franchise? That part of it, I guess, it's like you know they obviously intended to lose a lot of games this year. If, if he wasn't going to be bought in, you know, I, I I can't fault them on that because I think this was the right plan. But specifically, if this I, I if this had if this had anything to do with a discrepancy over like when he was going to come back, that to me would be a real shame. And again, I'm, we, we don't know. We have no idea. Yeah, I don't. Right. I don't. I, I kind of doubt it's that. I, I really think this is something that has just lingered on from back with the skipped uh, exit interview and different um, things around the team. I think that, this is where that whole, you know, quote, culture uh, thing comes into play that I just don't think you can ignore when you play on a team that has so much uh, talked about around the team in terms of, you know, quote, the culture and the things that are, are bad with it. And then you're inside and you actually start seeing that some of these things are real. It's not just people talking about them. And I think in those first few years, that's what happened. And I think maybe what we were, you know, naive to believe or maybe not was that, you know, when Scott Perry came and even though Steve Mills was still there and obviously Dolan, and there's all these big warning signs for all of us that, well, it's the same guys. How can you say the culture is different? I think we wanted to believe, well, based on their decisions, their decision, it seemed to emphasize we're going to build through the draft not make, you know, a, a panic move and we're going to get cap space that if the culture in terms of like the work environment, we don't know if that was different, but at least the plan seems more reasoned than say in 2010 when it was literally, they, you know, they didn't really have much. And then the little they had, they gave it all away just for cap space. I mean, even where we sit right now without KP, they're going to have seven draft picks over the next five years. They still have, you know, Knox, Frank. Now they added... Dennis Smith Jr.'s. Um, so, you know, you're adding multiple lottery picks on the roster. So I guess that it's just, I think it was just a, a frayed relationship that they couldn't fix. Um, but what I am surprised about is this whole qualifying offer deal where we have, I think anyone who's smart with, not even that smart with math, has looked at it and said, looked at history of how players have dealt with these decisions before. It's just unheard of for a player of KP's magnitude to pass up getting paid something like $27 million next year to play for as little as four and a half. So with that being the case, 
even if he said to them as a negotiation tactic, I'm only going to do my, my qualifying offer. You got to wonder like, well, I don't know. Is that enough to, to force you to make a move or do you, do you make him actually do that? I, so I know like Zach Lowe, who his opinion to me is, is Bible on this stuff. He tweeted out today that, um, he thinks the Knicks should have called his bluff basically. And I think, like, philosophically, if you're an, if you're running an NBA team and you're given this situation on like a you know <laughs> on like an exam, like if this happens in your organization, what should you do? The correct answer is to call the person, call the player's bluff, and and let it play out. The reason well, why. Well, let's even. No, or you're about say. to do that. I was going to say the the let's play that out though because I think what we're saying here is there's just different, you know, it's a choose your own adventure, right? So if you're in the class and they're saying, okay, pick your pick your venture, if they do that, you know, the risk is you or go on. I think that's where you're going, anyways. Yeah, no, the, the well, the the risk is I, to me the 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 black and white of the risk in terms of like well. um the you know obviously the player could just hold out um he could sign an offer sheet from another team he could he could find some other team who's willing to give him a one plus one max you know um well oh and real quick that was something that um i wanted to clarify because i know me and you had talked yes just in private about this idea is you know and it's funny actually we talked what was it tuesday night because i was back in my hotel room and i said to you i'm thinking of doing a piece about how I think KP can sort of get his money and get out of here. And you well, you said, don't need to do that one anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't, right? And you said, I don't know if you want to put that out there right now, all this uh, Anthony Davis stuff. But the, the point I was making was, you know, everyone knows he's a restricted free agent and a qualifying offer. But what is overlooked is you don't have to. The, all a qualifying offer does is give the team the right of first refusal so that if another team makes an offer, you can match it. But the player and the team can are within their own rights to decide, we're just going to negotiate a new contract independent of, you know, that qualifying offer, in which case, as uh, um, KP could have done, is he could have said, I'm not going to sign long-term, but I will sign a two-year deal, which is really a one-year plus a one option, and I want, you know, a bigger salary. And in that case, if the Knicks gave it to him, he would have been able to get kind of get his money and still flexibility. Now, the Knicks wouldn't really have any incentive to do that because now they're kind of setting it up for him to leave. They would be better off saying, I'm not offering you that. What why they could have gotten away with not offering him that is because for a offer sheet, the minimum on an offer sheet is two years excluding options. So he couldn't force the Knicks hand by saying, I'm going to give I'm going to go sign a one and one with the Nets, And now you got to match it or I'm gone that he would have had to sign at least two years with another team. So that's telling me either he's taking a qualifying offer for four and a half million, which is 23 million less than he would have made. And remember, this isn't like Anthony Davis passing up money where the majority yeah. of that money he's passing up is at the back end of the contract where he can make it back. This is money you yeah. will never get. It's 20, right? Yeah. So he could have done that or 
he could have signed a two-year deal as a means to get paid but get out sooner. And I think adding all that context, it's why, to me, even more, I'm surprised that um, the Knicks wouldn't just sort of let it play out because there's a chance, you know, there's a there's a fair chance you could get him for two more years just if he wants to make money. Yeah, I no, look, 100%, but then guess what happens? The minute he signs that contract, you know, it's like... <laughs> Um, it's, it's November 10th next year. And, you know, I, and I reference this in the piece that I just wrote and you wake up and you check your phone and there's Woj's, uh, bomb sitting there. Kristaps Porzingis has requested a trade from the New York Knicks. Right. And it's like, all right, you know, and, and but my, my overarching point is if they didn't do this, they're setting themselves up to be fighting tooth and nail to keep a player who clearly did not want to be here. And that is not to excuse the trade. And God knows I'm not excusing any of this, but what what it it I it's it should have never gotten to this point. That's I yeah, yeah. we we could go and- over you know why it got to this point and all of that. I know there was some Yahoo reporting about his brother um, apparently wanted to be involved in like decision making on players and whatnot. Like, there could be different blame to go around on how things got to this point. But the fact of the matter is, it got to this point, and like they were left in a situation where they had to sit there and talk about the fact that like, look, we either trade this guy now or we sit around however many months from now, four or five months from now, figuring out how we are going to to work the system to force him to play basketball here even though he doesn't want to and that is like a situation that for this particular organization where it stands like bringing in the new coach like resetting the culture all that stuff I just don't know if they if as talented as he is I don't know if that would have been worth it to go through all that that's my point yeah well I think it's it's the two things that if you're listening to people talk about this trade, I feel like that gets uh, yelled probably at TVs and Twitter screens the most. One is when people talk about him leaving, people yelling, he was a restricted free agent, meaning all those things I detailed of why be hard. But I think the other is what you just alluded to, and that is he was the one who asked for a trade based on what has been reported. He's the one who wanted out. So it's like, like you said, it's like, well, yeah, he's a restricted free agent. But at the same time, if he really didn't want to play here, then, you know, you you can't risk that if you wait to trade him. And again, we could say based on what they got, if they got a night, you know, if they got a different return, I think we'd feel more comfortable saying you trade him now because you get a better return. But the fact is, Right now, if you trade him, the team that acquires him gets his bird right and gets the chance to, um, you know, have him in the same situation we just described the Knicks would have him to try to keep him there, even if he went to a city that he didn't want to go to, which is different than if you try to do it over the summer where you would have to sign and trade him and then he's got to agree to that. And it's just a lot more complicated. Well, and then here's the other part of this, right, is that. Clearly, you know, things have been been simmering for a while and his discontent is, you know, has been an open secret around the league. Um, 
to what extent we really didn't know it was always rumblings um and nothing more than that but you know are should we be sitting here blaming the Knicks for you know we're like on one hand I guess they deserve to, in my mind putting aside the entire huge 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 issue of the fact that they let it get to this point to begin with where he was so upset you could argue that they got out ahead of this thing and not let it go to the summer when it could have gotten really ugly but then the alternative question is should they have tried to get out of the get out ahead of this thing even more but then you know if they had traded him i don't know when they would have even done it um you know much earlier in the season maybe or even over the summertime like i i don't you know, I, I would maybe he wouldn't have had a chance to float it that he would have, you know, he was going to sign the qualifying offer. I don't know, but I guess let's we should probably talk about the the trade itself before we go for for too much longer. So Bagley had a tweet um, about twenty minutes ago uh, from Perry. Um, he said when the meeting occurred uh, this morning, we had already been having conversations with a number of teams. And so we decided to act upon one. So, you know, again, small silver lining. This was not like <laughs> we had a meeting and it's like, all right, an hour later, KP's on his way. You know, apparently this was, um, you know, this was a little while in the works. That being said, what was the disadvantage to taking this right up to next Thursday at three o'clock? I don't, that I don't know. Yeah, right. Because we we did see that there was maybe several teams that they were talking to. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the the other thing that it, you know you could argue is if and it was later reported. It's funny because there's so much stuff going on that there there was some things that like if it if this was the one detail reported today, it would have been the biggest story. But it yeah. just gets buried. But it was that you know the. I'm pretty sure it was in the ESPN piece that they said they did offer uh, KP for Anthony Davis, but New Orleans basically was like, we don't want him if we, if he doesn't want to be here and he didn't want to sign there. So if that's true, maybe they felt, okay, if we make this trade now and we get the two first round picks and uh, you know, even Dennis Smith Jr., another young piece, maybe with our collection of young players and picks, and then we have the expiring contract in Cantor, we can cobble together a deal for um, for Anthony Davis over this next week or for, you know, something um, if it becomes if it becomes available. And obviously they're not going to fill up the cap space uh, with anyone that isn't a superstar. But the point is, it's just it basically loads them up with the tradable. A lot of these pieces they acquired today, they didn't just get cap space. They got yeah, no, they to did play poker. Yeah, and no, that's, they, what, they, that's what they're doing. They they absolutely are, and you know, and let, we could let's talk a little bit about the the maybe other possible trades. But I'm <laughs> I'm just scrolling through Twitter um, and Cantor. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. He, you know, yeah, he, he put out something. Right? He, we, I, I just, I would, I would carry him out of New York on my shoulders if I could. 
They vaguely tweeted out that Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan, according to Perry, were veteran, are veteran players that could help the young Knicks the remainder of the season. And Cantor, quote, tweeted it with an LOL. Um, it's amazing. It is, uh, you know, some other veteran players around the league are more respected than you. Go go figure. Um, um, well, by the way, what about, though, I mean, can we talk about this roster for a second now? I mean. Sure, yeah. I guess they're saying they're not going to buy out, um, you know, the, the Matthew, the other veterans that they got. Um, you know, it was so funny. I realized this when I got off the plane. My head was spinning so much on all the KP stuff. I was even trying to figure out the draft picks because of all the protection. That by the time I, like, got into the Uber and read the full trade, I had to, like, read the names out loud of the players they got because I was, like, I wasn't even – that was, like, so far from my head. I was, like – Oh, yeah. Instead no. of – like Wesley Matthews, I would have had to take for a minute, you know, like, wait, who else are the guy? Like, cause it just meant nothing to me, you know? Um, but the point is like what, you know, they, they literally, they haven't won as it is at home in two months. They're 10 and 40. It's not about to get, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, obviously the last game, especially he, he looked like he was ready to be gone anyways, but like, you know, they did trade a lot of guys who played even and, it's just crazy. They're literally going to be in a position where they might be a team that wins, goes 15 and 67, and yet is going into July 1st thinking they're going to convince superstar players that this is the place to come and win a championship. Um, I like We well, know why. You know, if you put two guys together, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it changes things fast. I get all that, but it's just it, – it is – it is a crazy, uh, a crazy way to go about it. So here's the one thing that I will that I will say. I I'm big on reading the Twitter tea leaves, and you know, I've been paying attention to what all of the notable basketball people on Twitter have been saying today. And I don't, other than other than your typical um, people who like to chide the Knicks when things are not going well. I don't get the impression that anybody thinks like look people obviously have have qualms with the way this came about with the process that you can let a, a potentially generational type of star leave before he even gets to his second contract with with the team that stuff is out there but from the people that seem to matter and seem to know about this stuff I don't think anybody believes that the notion that they're going to get like the, like two guys, like two, and we all know who we're talking about. It's Durant and, you know, pick, pick two names, Durant and Kyrie, Durant and, and Kawhi, Kawhi and Kyrie, whatever. I don't think anybody out there thinks that that's ridiculous. You know, is it likely? No, it's not likely, but I don't think anybody thinks it's, it's, it's out yeah, of the, right. They don't, right. It's not, I agree. It's not out of the, the realm, but I guess I'm just, there's so much, it's a, it's so dynamic to me. I mean, even like the whole concept of like what happens if the Warriors win a championship versus not. And you can go into all these great theories about why one thing might mean Durant's more likely to leave, one doesn't. But the point is there, there are undecided outcomes still to happen that could change, you know, what, even if a player gave a strong hint through back channels that he wanted to do something in October, that by July, it's different. And it could be even, 
July 1st, a player feels something, and by July 7th, they feel something different. We've heard players say when they're going through the process that sometimes they change their mind. I think, you know, again, you don't know if it's true, but I remember LeBron in the decision, um, he said something like he changed his mind like two or three times, like in the yeah, final. Yeah, but I, I don't, you really it's think KP was changing his mind? Well, I think even with LeBron, I think he's more calculated in that one. is yeah. probably intrusive best example but I do think the players go like any of us right like when we yeah. make a big life decision you might have a strong idea but you don't know so the point is there's so much that changes over time I just think even if you feel strong about something it's still let's just put it this way on August 1st the Knicks could end up with the fourth pick who could be another KP because that's what KP was the fourth pick or, to, or it could be, I think Cantor was actually the third pick the year Kyrie went first. Yeah, yeah well, he so was. You end up with the equivalent of a Cantor with the third pick, and nobody signed with you. And now suddenly you're just, you're, you're sitting there like, okay, so we, at this point, you still have assets that going forward, I, I do want to add that if the Knicks strike out in free agency, where everyone's going to come out and, and rain on their plan because obviously they're being aggressive when that's what they want. But as long as they have these draft picks and young players, they can just wait and say, okay, some star like KP, like Anthony Davis, we just had two huge stars demand trades within a week of each other. So when this happens again next year, it always happens, the Knicks will be right there with all their assets well, and they can still make a deal. Let me Let me tell you, <laughs> if Durant and Kyrie and Kawhi and it's it's those three, those are the guys. If they say no, and Steve Mills and Scott Perry have uh, the intestinal fortitude to sit out the rest of free agency, or or essentially just sign guys to one year contracts and and roll this thing over and and try to go after it again the next summer, then man, they have. They have more cojones than I do, um, because it like, and I and it's fun because that would be the correct basketball decision because in no universe is is it uh, the right move to all right we strike out on on the first guys let's go sign Tobias Harris and you know um, Eric Bledsoe like that you know that you want you want the doomsday scenario that's that's the doomsday scenario so the right move would be to roll over the cap space I I just. I mean, I hope. Well, obviously, one, I hope it never comes to that. But two, I hope they have the strength to, to do it if it if it does. Um, it, let's. I want to talk briefly about some of these other teams who were mentioned, and if there was any. So, Woj had a tweet that the Nets, Clippers, Heat, Spurs, and Raptors were among the teams expected to pursue Porzingis. Um, the Heat we could eliminate right off the bat because they didn't have the expiring contracts to to send back. The Raptors are are were a little interesting to me just because it's you know they got Siakam, but um, if you're talking about you know a situation where Porzingis was going to threaten to. Um, you know, sign the qualifying offer. Maybe even if he wasn't going to threaten to sign the qualifying offer, I I don't know that they would give up Siakam for Porzingis. 
just because like Siakam's like he's really freaking good. And I know people listening to this be like Pascal Siakam. What are you freaking kidding me? Well, listen, go go watch Pascal Siakam one time. Um, he's good. Um, I don't know. Is that is that worth? Uh, does Toronto even have the expiring contracts that yeah, they can send for I, Hardaway? No, not would, really. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, that's that's the thing. Is like you know. So I think I, you look at 2017. I'm always bad at like picking, remembering the particular year, but I think that was the right year. So in 2017, wasn't it all within the same summer? Within a couple months. They drafted, um, no, wait, tw- yeah, so it's 2017 when they did the offer sheet for Hardaway, right? Yeah. And, and then it was also the same summer the skipped exit interview by KP or my one summer off there. No, you're, you're, you're right, because it was, uh, Jackson got fired at, um, a couple days after the draft, and then um, free agency started, and Mills was in charge, signed Hardaway the offer sheet, and then um, he hired Perry shortly thereafter. Yeah, so I guess the point is, like, you know, we're talking about the trade value of what else they could have got, but a lot of this was what else could they attach. So I think this is why it makes it so tricky to evaluate this move is because it literally was it was it wasn't as much about what else could they got get back as much as it was oh, they no. could get rid of the, It was right? all about what they so could then, unload. That's the obvious that's the obvious black mark on this. They did this trade to But the thing it. is what they could unload was the same thing that they put them like the same decision makers yeah. did to themselves, right? So well that's why it was it was hard to unpack. It was Mills. It was Mills. Well, yeah, it wasn't right. It wasn't. It, it was wasn't Perry on the way Junior. So that that is right. But I just think that that's why it's so tricky with the return. And when I first saw it, I was like, "Wait, for cap space." So while I get it's to play big, win big, and if they sign two max guys next summer, they they literally. Oh no! They could laugh all the way to the bank. Exactly, but. If they don't, then you're kind of like, yeah, maybe you could have leveraged some of these other teams to get just a better return that wouldn't have necessarily given you the same cap space to sign two max guys, which basically means clearing your entire roster other than players. Yeah. You maybe a better basketball return. So I think that's interesting, and I didn't really delve into it in the piece because – if you really want to scour the league for for young assets that could have been sent back, I think you probably obviously you could have found someone better than Dennis Smith Jr. Um, obviously, there were still fans of Dennis Smith Jr. within the organization, and I think that played into this. I think they valued him as an asset um, more than. But think about what's happening here, right? So they literally drafted Neil Aquino yeah, instead of Dennis Smith Jr. Yes. And now, basically, the, they're saying, well, we, we really, in the end, wanted to draft him, and we really, in the end, shouldn't have signed this deal. And because of those two decisions that were was within their power to just make for free, yep. it now becomes a cost on trading KP. Deep. And then I think with Dennis Smith Jr., the, the part that's going to be interesting to see uh, now is – I don't think getting him is just like a throw-in. I think they are going to really push that he 
he could be like a piece because oh you know, yeah if, right so he's oh, gonna yeah. be their big uh he's he's gonna be there he's basically their point guard of future <laughs> except obviously if it's Kyrie you think you think they've been giving Moody the ball a lot oh boy wait till you see Dennis Smith Jr. in the next uniform man he's gonna have a 45 usage rate over the last 32 games right. of the season that, well it's coming because of the roster obviously right now but also I just think Unless obviously one of the max players is Kyrie, I think they're gonna they're gonna try to sell him big. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you know, and, and just thinking about other other situations around the league, I, I again looking at the t- other teams that were mentioned, I don't think there was any scenario where they were gonna trade him to Brooklyn um, because I just think they would not again would not have had the stomach for that. Um, you know, if they did, uh, it would. I guess it probably would have been, um, you know, their expirings and then Jared Allen. If you're asking me, would I rather have Jared Allen or Dennis Smith Jr.? Eh, uh, given that we have Mitchell Robinson, probably rather have Dennis Smith Jr. So we could dispense with that. Like I said, Toronto didn't have the expirings. Um, looking at the Clippers, the Clippers is an interesting one because Clippers have. Uh, Shea Gilders Alexander, who is kind of like a seems to be so far a better version of of Frank Nilakina. Um Objectively speaking, obviously, I love Frank. <laughs> um, I I'm gonna I'm gonna here's a little bit of a hot take. I don't think the Clippers would have given up Shea um, if knowing that, given the designs they have on this summer, independent of of anything else, I don't think they would have given up Shea Gilders Alexander for for KP if they got word that KP was not set on um, or was set on, you know, signing his qualifying offer. So I, I don't think, I think that, and I think the Clippers like what they have going on. So I don't think the Clippers were probably a realistic team. And then the other one is the Spurs. And let's talk about the Spurs for a second, because the Spurs have long been rumored as being enamored with KP um, right. by, by the way, did you see something on Twitter? Uh, some people DM me in like referencing to it that KP had like told Spurs players like not to come to New York or something. Did you did you catch wind there of any of this? There was something I think Stephen A. Smith might have said on TV that he had heard that yeah KP um, and I didn't see the see him what exactly he said, but it was the same thing. I saw someone sending sending it to me on Twitter that he said, don't come here to free agents. I didn't hear, they didn't, the person who sent it to me didn't say it was the Spurs. They just said, he said, don't come here to free agents. Gotcha. Um, interesting. All right. Well, regardless, the Spurs, so the Spurs have Pagasol, whose $16 million salary for next year is guaranteed for $6.7 million. Um, they have Rudy Gay's $10 million expiring, and then they have a bunch of other contracts, and then, um, their only young players are of note. Are I mean, Derek White, you know, is pretty good. Dejounte Murray, obviously, is out for the year, and then um, Lonnie Walker. I is Lonnie Walker like going to get you that much more excited than Dennis Smith Jr. That you're willing to take on more salary? Probably not. No, um, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the point is that you know they're really as long as you want those two max spots. The only other assets that you can obviously get are draft picks that you could argue with the whole complications with the Atlanta protection and Dallas pick, which don't, it's not really that complicated as long as Dallas doesn't finish 
one of the five worst teams, the Knicks would just get their their pick. Um, you know, was it twenty twenty one and twenty twenty three? Yeah. Um, the point is, yeah. I mean, if you're worried though, those picks turn into late first. But it's like anywhere you send KP, that same thing with Anthony Davis. When people are talking about, okay, if the Knicks send their pick, well, if yeah. Anthony Davis helps you win, right? So. I guess what we're we're going around is as you're we're going through the rosters, it maybe you find another young guy that you like a little bit more, but as long as you want that cap space, you're not there's not really much else out there uh, that you're gonna get, right? No, and honestly though, I just I'm looking through everybody, I'm looking through the salary caps. There's only a few teams that I, I, I imagine would have been willing to take the risk of again Porzingis and his people saying we're going to sign the qualifying offer and Dallas obviously is one of them looking at a lot of these other teams I don't think a lot of them take the risk I don't think a lot I think because it's one thing if you feel like you have a stable organization like Utah right Utah feels that they have a stable organization good coach good ecosystem the whole thing that might be enough to take a risk on some players but given what I think the thinking is that Porzingis also wants to be in a premier market, and we could debate whether Dallas is that. You know, I think there's just there probably weren't a lot of teams who were willing to jump into the deep end with this. And like two of the ones that you would think, Boston and L.A., the Lakers. Well, guess what? They're holding out for for the bigger fish. So I don't think the this that kind of hurt the Knicks actually. Oddly enough, this whole AD thing because two of your prime what would have been your primary suitors for Christoph Porzingis probably were never a realistic part of the conversation. Um, By the way, I'm just, uh, as we're talking, uh, Isola came out, you know, with, with his piece and it is Isola, but he did say in the, in the piece that according to, to his source that the Knicks, and I had actually seen, I thought I saw somewhere else too reported that the Knicks have talked to Dallas for a few days about this. Yeah. Um, or for a little while about this, but he's making it seem like the timeline was they had talked before uh, Porzingis and his brother had that fateful meeting that was reported earlier today. Yeah, about, yeah I, I had right? seen that too. Yeah, so all that is there, but I guess the point is that um, he's he's kind of making it seem like that conversation was obviously different based on the fact that, you know, of how that timeline of events, maybe if they walk into that meeting Thursday morning saying he's frustrated and it wasn't as the team in the background was working on, you know, this particular trade that had some traction, you know, we we would have a different story is what he's saying. But anyways, I was just kind of catching that as uh, reported. Again, and and I guess maybe this is probably the, the place to finish up. I wonder... I wonder if there wasn't some part of the Knicks front office team, if there wasn't, you know, um, a direction within the organization who kind of wanted to get rid of him. Um, And that's obviously going to sound weird. 23-year-old player with a combination of skills and and physical attributes that we've we've maybe never seen. you know, that sounds odd, but at the same time, like, when you factor in his brother, when you factor in the fact that, like, he clearly, it doesn't seem like he was ever willing to 
give this, you know, them giving this this go of things like a, a real shot. Um, I don't know, you know. I mean, it even comes down to like, like I tweeted out what are, I, I think it was last week or maybe earlier. No, Monday. I guess I tweeted out. I was like, the Knicks should use the Anthony Davis like trade news to like strengthen their relationship with Porzingis and get it out there and get it leaked. Like we are not even thinking about trading Kristaps Porzingis. Um, but again, it, we don't know where things are already too far gone by that point. Like, because apparently, you know, I'm sure KP didn't like hearing his name tossed around in this. It, it's, <sighs> yeah, it's all, but what, what do you think about if they had, so now that we know what's happened, so obviously yeah. we have that benefit, but let's say then now knowing what's happened, it would have cost, um, you know, Frank and uh, a first unprotected first round pick in 2020 to get rid of, and I don't know if that would have been enough or not, but to get rid of Tim Hardaway Jr. contract, and then it would have cost. It's just so hard to put a cost here, so that's why I hate doing this. But like the point is, if they could, knowing the high price they just paid by including Kristaps Porzingis, could they have traded Hardaway and Lee? Yeah or even traded Hardaway in stretch league, which would have got you pretty much the same spot with the $4 million less and then plus KP salary. Do you think, would, would you do that now? Like separate out the deals and say, okay, so you kind of traded KP for Dennis Smith Jr. in two first-round picks, and what could you have traded? And then... Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee didn't cost you those assets I was just trying to lay out. You were able to basically just wipe them clean. Yeah, no, I, you know, it, this gets back to the kind of premise of this whole conversation where I actually, I don't think that was the way to go. And like, again, given the, given the parameters, I think that the, I think the way they executed this was, was okay putting aside for a second the the inexcusable nature of how it got to this point the reason that I wouldn't have done that is like basically attach whatever it would have caused to get rid of Tim now and then been prepared to to stretch Lee because then it's like all right go into free agency we've we've used this young asset to to stretch Lee or to get rid of sorry to get rid of Hardaway at that point it's like yeah you're spending money this summer on something right like what you know if Durant's not coming, all right. Well, we we just gave away a young player and a pick, or you know, to to get rid of Tim, um, we gotta we gotta spend something, and then you you get a terrible contract on the books or a bad contract on the books, and Porzingis is like f this, I'm out of here. You know, you're in you're in way deeper than you ever were. So to me now, yeah. So there's always gonna be right. There's always gonna be risk there. Yeah, um, there's gonna be go risk other route. And, and now right, it's right, like it's it's a clean yeah, it's a clean slate right now, which sounds you know it sounds odd to say. Um, and again, it could all go to it, it, it could all go to shit if they you know if they throw you know God knows how much money at at some players who don't deserve it. Should the big one say no? You know the hope is that that it doesn't come to that. Um, yeah. Well, the other thing too is like you know do they feel like someone like Durant? who I think, you know, we, that's a person you got to keep guessing, especially because, you know, there is a, there's a relationship there with Mills and everything. If they did get a hint about him, 
maybe they have a hint of who he wants to play with. And they just felt like, well, yeah. Uh, right. He wanted, he'd rather play with someone like Kyrie. And then as things kind of started, you know, getting out of control with KP, it just adding all those things together, um, you know, I, I think made sense. But there's one other point I wanted to say before, you know, before we closed off here. And that is, I think the the other way, because the, the big sort of narrative about how this has all unfolded is the Knicks had a plan about building kind of the right way, uh, rebuild, developing young players, building through the draft. And yes, they would have cap space. So if Kevin Durant came knocking, they would at least have a place for him to sleep. But it wasn't. It was, and, and everyone knew that that would become obviously a top priority. So it's not to say that that wasn't a big deal. They said that, but the point was still, there was a parallel idea of we can, we can build through the draft and be patient while also keeping our options open sure. if we have an opportunity, right? So now, which I by the, the way is, is what a good organization would do. They, they does, just wouldn't right. sacrifice a 23 year old loss star to get to that position. So I think now the thought is that I've seen kind of they deviated from that plan in a sense that now they're all in, obviously, for the summer. So it would be hard to say that any pick, any young player, anything is safe because, you know, to go sign two superstar free agents and then have them play next to Mitchell Robinson who still needs to learn how to set a screen and (laughs) Kevin Knox who's one of the youngest players in the NBA – I just don't think that's that's probably the way they go, right? It would be sign those players and then use those young players and draft picks to get more veterans to put around them, right? So I think I think that's the other piece of all this is more about if they strike out and they don't spend foolishly, they can continue to do a really no, I, rebuild. I completely but I, agree. I, you, I think by, by going all in, though, with the cap space, I'm just a little bit. I'm a little doubtful. Yeah, no, you're, you're worried they're going to have the the, the the strength to to do that. But look, I mean, it's funny in a way. This is how bad things have been <laughs> for 17 years now. Because on a day that this team trades the best talent it has had since Patrick Ewing, if you're a Knicks fan, you could still look at this and be like. Well, hold on for a second. We have a roster with Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nilakina, Mitchell Robinson, um, Kevin Kevin Knox, Alonzo Trier. Um, who did I forget? Damian Dotson, uh, Luke Cornette, you know, fringe NBA player, whatever. Every one of those guys I just mentioned, seven guys is in their first or or second year, right? Um, and most of them. You know, to some degree, people think are going to be a legit NBA player. It's like that's like you know, I could watch that, and then you talk about like, all right, so Durant and Kyrie and and Kawhi say no this summer. All right, well, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna use my seventy million dollars in cap space, and I'm going to overpay um, two or three, you know, second tier free agents. You know, like, hey, Julius Randle, you want to make $25 million next year? Come on down. Um, you know, guys. Yeah, like- and even, I don't even know for sure if they would do that. I just think it's just, 
that, um, you know, yeah, I, I just think it's just more of the idea that they are committed to not trading even the players. So it's not even just do they spend well, the cap. But they don't need to uh, decide, right? Like if that's, a, that's but, that's, a, but isn't that what you just said? If Durant comes and and he brings someone with him, and then it's like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to win a championship now. I don't want to wait for Mitchell Robinson to learn how to set a screen. Well, then you package those guys for you know whoever. Oh, exactly right. But then if they don't, even if they don't spend next summer, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I still would be a little bit worried about what then happens in that following year in terms of do they start using, do they start trying to make a trade, whatever it is, because that might not be for an ideal player because they're 10 and 40 this year. Even if they added Zion, they aren't going to win a lot of games again the following year. When you do a rebuild. Oh, shit, I forgot deep, about the draft pick. Hey, we have our draft pick. Giddy up. We actually have a draft pick that could be a generational uh, player, so we can still be excited that, you know, he'll come and maybe they'll trade him in three years. But um, <laughs> I just, I guess I'm just saying, like, the timeline, the idea that they are going to now, if they don't hit a free agent, the it's going to take, four more years from today when they're already have been bad before they might be good because those players take time I, to develop. Can I, That's the part I'm worried about. Can I say something? I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to come to that at all because again, in, in the, in the doomsday scenario, not the doomsday scenario in the, in the least optimal scenario where, where the biggest guys don't take the money. I think there will be enough players out there um that will be willing to come to New York on one-year deals where the Knicks will um be able to field a team next year that is both competitive and young um and kind of tow that line that like I guess you could say kind of the Clippers are towing this year and really, that comes down to David Fisdale because obviously this year, I think it's become quite quite clear that they this is the players on this roster are too flawed and too young and or too young to make that happen. I think next year that changes. Again, my biggest fear is not that they don't get Durant and Kyrie or, or Kawhi. My biggest fear is that they is that they sign, you know, um, Tobias Harris and, and Eric Bledsoe or you know Chris Middleton or something. So. Yeah, and last thing, because it just came up, KP put on Instagram, the truth will come out. He just put this out. You know what? I, I'm i sorry. I, I just, I can't, like, look, dude, we know what this organization is. We know what it is. Anyone who's followed this team, anyone who's rooted for this team, for the last, you know, it's been 25 years for the two of us, right? Or maybe even a little bit longer for you because you got into sports younger than I, I did. Like, we get it, man. We get it. You're not telling us anything we don't know. Um, you had a chance to be the guy here if you wanted to be. You could have, you could have done that. And like, I get things aren't perfect. Life rarely is, but. You know, you you fidgeted and you fidgeted and you fidgeted until you got your way, and now you're gone. So, don't tell me about the truth. All right, I know what the truth is, but yeah, no, that's that's my exact. I'm I'm sitting here thinking, what truth is left? Like we know 
that they were willing to trade them, and obviously they just traded them, but I mean, we knew they were willing to trade them even before this, that that would have got him upset. We know they had a bad relationship. We know they have cultural issues. So unless it's like, oh, it, you know, Fisdale punched them in the mouth, uh, you know, in the locker room one day, like what truth, what truth is left? Like we already know it's been a bad situation and Knicks fans are pretty honest about that. So I, like I said, unless it's something like crazy that we're I, like, not even on our radar. I bet I you truth there is. I bet you he's going to play it. Um, I bet you I would bet anything that there will be a leak that like the Knicks basically didn't want him there long term. I bet you that's what's going to come out. And I'm sure, you know, as with everything, the truth is going to be somewhere in between. And, it, you know, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I just, you know, the sad thing is it's like, you know, it's been a year and a half, and I, I you kind of had a feeling that this day was going to come, and it's just now it's here, and the reality has set in that, um, you know, we're never going to watch this guy play another game in a Knicks uniform, and we barely got to scratch the surface. Um, you know, no, at the end of the day, it's still a sad day because we can go over all the ramifications and all of this and the that. Yeah. The point is, as fans of a basketball team, um, where you're not just rooting for laundry, he was a guy that collectively represented hope and was as popular as any player I've seen in New York. I mean, he oh yeah, he, he went in a matter of a week. He went from holding New York in a palm of his hand, where he could do literally anything. And I know from running the Knicks film school account. Anything that was KP related was gold. So he could post a picture of himself, you know, doing a handstand and people would go nuts. (laughs) And to go from that to right now where the, you know, the reaction uh, people have for him on social media, at least, that seems to be uh, a little less than kind. um, It is crazy that the the turnaround, um, I think that's probably what he's referring to it. The truth will come out because he's probably seen the, the negativity. But it's like, look. He gets traded. The first thing he puts out is him, you know, slapping five with Doncic, and and it's like, you know, it's not just the Knicks. Like we all see the crap he puts out on social media and the little cryptic things he does. Like you know, he, he invites a little drama. That's not a secret. We can see that for ourselves. And but, I um, and I think that that listen that all, that all my main point. but that all played into it, and it's like. You know, I think he's a little bit of a diva. Um, you know, would you have? Would you, would it be nice if you got a, if you drafted a guy with the with the temperament and the personality of a Tim Duncan? Yeah, but I don't think those guys exist anymore, sadly. Um, so, you know, it is what it is, as they say. Um, all right, man. It is eleven thirty. You. We uh, need to get to bed. Yeah, we should probably <laughs> get to bed. I will. I should probably like spend five minutes talking to my wife instead of just you about KP. Yeah, my wife went to sleep a while ago. She just, um, you know, told me not to not to hang myself uh, by the shower rod uh, before I, you know, tried to go to bed tonight. Um, so I'll, I'll take I'll take her advice on that. Um, we will live to see another day and, uh, yeah, it should be, 
I mean, I I was going to say it should be an interesting next week, but I guess I don't know how, how interesting could the next week be. I mean, who, who else do they have left to trade? Jesus. No, I know, well, that's what I thought when I got in the plane. Is it's always like when I'm out of the network, I'm like, oh, as long as something crazy doesn't happen, like they trade KP. Well, now where it's like the rest of the year, at least I can I don't have to sleep with one <laughs> eye open. It's like there's there's nothing left. I guess get past the trade deadline in case you know they got you know, uh, Davis. But after that, it's like there's nothing left that could happen until the summer. No, uh, oh, but you know it's you know it's funny. We've talked for literally over an hour, and we haven't mentioned one second that Tim Hardaway Jr. is no longer a Nick, other than as, you know, in reference to his salary. Uh, Is anyone give a shit that Tim Hardaway Jr. is gone for the second time? No, nobody does. No, like I said, it's just funny. I had to reread all the uh, DeAndre Jordan. I don't think we have a name yet. Um, You know, these names just don't even matter. They're just kind of the the filler in in the whole grand scheme. Oh, all right, um, JB. We will uh, talk again soon, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I want I want to sign off with something positive, and I don't. You know, it's 11:30 at night. I've had probably one too many beers. I don't know what what positive thing that would be. Do you have anything for for the fans out there? Well, that it's just basketball, and um, yes, it is just basketball. We it will give us plenty of new uh, new fun things to debate about that will make Seymour bigger than basketball, like Smith Jr. versus Frank. Are they actually going to sign someone? Yeah. It, there's going to be plenty to talk about going forward, and that's what this is. It's an entertainment thing. gives us something to talk about. And while it hurts to lose KP, I guess that, that's my positive of uh, the NBA keeps churning out this never-ending drama, and, and, and we just kind of watch it unfold. Um, well said, well said, my friend. Um, I, I appreciate that. Uh, all right. So Knicks fans, you heard it. Keep the faith. Um, we appreciate you sticking with us through this one and, um, yeah, we hope you have a good weekend. Apparently there's a football game on Sunday. I could give two fucks about that, but, um, yeah, it is what it is and we will be back with you soon. Um,